Welcome to the broadcast at Mount Gilead Baptist Church. We invite you to join us here on this station each Sunday morning at 8 a.m. We also invite you to join us in person at 11 a.m. The church is located at 5332 Highway 52 East, Dahlonega, Georgia. Now join Pastor Les Fuller as he brings God's Word. Galatians chapter number 2, verse number 20. If you were at the water this morning, you remember that I said that I had eight different things out of one verse that I want to give to the people of God. The very, the very, uh, the very thing that I love to do is to preach the Word of the Lord. I love to take the Bible verse by verse, pick it apart and find the highlights that I think that are in those verses and how they might apply not only to me but to us as believers in our church. But this verse is so good. And I want to begin again by saying just a few things that I've already said this morning at the river. Uh, but I want to say this morning, this verse might well be my life's verse for me as a believer. I believe, dear God, uh, this morning that the dear Heavenly Father in heaven, that our dear God in heaven is able uh, to show us some things and to reveal some things unto us in our lives. And I am crucified with Christ. I want, to, I want you to ask yourself that question this morning. Are you crucified in Christ? Can you mimic what Paul says? Are you crucified with Christ? And he says, I am crucified, nevertheless I live. Are you alive? You say, preacher, I am alive. I'm breathing, Arna, but that's not what this verse is about. This verse is about being born again, about being brought from death unto life. Are you crucified and living here this morning? We want to answer some of these statements here in just a little while, but let me finish reading this verse. He says, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I li now live, I live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. What a wonderful verse that we might just well say would be our life's verse, our will and testament of what God has done for us as believers. If God is not currently working inside of you right now, and I know we go through seasons of maybe where that it seems like the Holy Spirit is not working as much as He has in the past. But if we are not experiencing God on new levels day by day, week by week, we might need to consider the first part of this verse. Have I really been crucified in Christ? Now it's easy to understand what crucify means, isn't it? It's just like Christ was. Our hands are stretched out uh, with nails in our hands. Our feet are nailed to that cross. And it's also like this. It's a bloody sight to see our Savior hanging on Calvary's hill, on Golgotha's hill with His blood coming off of His head with a crown of thorns plaited so deep that the blood is coming from that, that crown of thorns off of His face. And then we must remember some other things that took place at Calvary. How about when our Savior, before He got to Calvary, they had plucked His beard away from Him. And the Bible in one place said that our Savior was beyond recognition. That means He didn't even look like a man as He was hanging 
on Calvary. The highlight of my life and my ministry is to preach Christ crucified. Uh, preach Christ crucified, but I would, be, I would be cutting the Savior short if I didn't preach Him risen and coming again because He in fact rose again from the grave. But let's think for just a minute about Calvary. I love to go to Calvary in my mind. I love to read about it in the Word of God. My most favorite, favorite subject to preach on is Calvary here this morning. Why is it so important? Because he died. Uh, you and I can die as well on the cross. And can't you just see the Savior's eyes? I love to think about what might have been going on in the mind of Christ. If you'll turn to the book of Psalms, you'll see in many of the Psalms that the Savior is giving us what he's actually feeling as he's hanging on Calvary. But can't you see his eyes as the blood is running down our Savior's side, his back, his head, and they're cruci being crucified for my sins and for you, your sins. And uh, listen, his eyes no doubt were heavy with the weight of the sin of the world being on our Savior at that moment. Now think about this. Jesus Christ had never known any sin. He was perfect. He was sinless. He was holy and he was righteous. Uh, but in this moment in time, the sins of all the world that had been committed before and after was being placed on our Savior. And I, friend, if you want to know, if you want to know what Calvary looked like and what it was actually like, look at the Savior and look at his eyes as he looks up for that final time from Calvary. And he gives the final utterance from the cross. It is finished. And from that cry, I could see his eyes looking around at his mother and his disciples that were hanging around at the foot of the cross and he looks down and looks at them then he looks up and he says it is finished and there our Savior gave up the ghost and he died and I thank God this morning that our Savior physically, spiritually, emotionally every way that you can think of he was, he was dead on the cross of Calvary but the apostle Paul comes uh, listen friend he comes uh, some years after I believe it's about 50 to 60 years when this was actually written and distributed to the church at Galatia. He comes out of nowhere preaching about the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And he says something so profound. He says, not only was Christ crucified, but he says, I'm crucified. Have you ever been crucified to the point where that you're, you have laid down your life? Uh, listen, you have given up to everything, your hopes, your dreams, your future, your own made up destiny in your mind where that you can say I have been crucified with Christ I've got a place I've got a place where I was spiritually cruci crucified physically no I'm still trying to crucify myself every single day dying unto myself, my wants the fleshly tendencies that each one of us have this morning and there's a temptation that is unique to those that have just been baptized as well as, as uh, to those that have just been saved. And there is a tendency to want to listen to the flesh instead of the spirit and thereby your joy, peace. And in some ways, in some cases, their security feels like has been diminished. But friend, I want to tell you, never be ashamed of the fact that you have a crucified Savior. Never be ashamed that it just as the Savior is crucified, you and I can go to, to the cross and be crucified as well. 
And why should we be crucified? And the second thing that I said at the river was because of a discovery of sin and then its power over us. And now we have to contend with the flesh. You know what my greatest hindrance is in life? It's not you. Though if I looked at you long enough, it might be. You know what my greatest hindrance is? Hindrance is in this life is me. It's me. It's my own will, my own ways. And if you can ever subdue and beat the flesh back to the point where that Christ uh, really is 100% living inside of you, my, oh, my, you're standing on ground that is so holy. Let's get to the fifth, sixth, and the seventh, and the eighth things that I see coming in this verse. We're going to pick up where we left off. We've contended with the flesh. Now let's look at the fifth part that I see in this verse is why Christ can forgive us. Is it possible that Christ can actually forgive us? We've never seen Him. Our eyes have never seen the Savior. We've never physically even made it to Mount Calvary. But how is it that we as believers today can go to the river and baptize new converts? How that we can get in this altar and lead people to Jesus Christ? It is because that Christ has the power to forgive. Now, in just his virgin birth, that would not have been enough. That was a great feat in itself. And think of it, that our Savior coming to this earth, being virgin born, and that means that Mary, and I want to give you some elementary thought here that you must place in your mind, in your heart. Mary was a virgin. Uh, listen, she had known no man, but now, but now she had, been, she had conceived. How is that possible? And it was only through the power of the Holy Spirit that the Holy Spirit would help her to conceive a seed in her womb. But it was not the seed of a mere man. It was God's seed. Now she's been conceived of the Holy Spirit. And she's carrying the Son of God in her womb. And now, uh, and now we have an entrance. We have a way that man can come in and know God through the virgin-born uh, Son of God, Jesus Christ. He, he forgives us not through his birth. Though that's the beginning, but he doesn't even forgive us through his awesome works that he did on this earth and being perfect as he was and all that he did. All those things were wonderful that he did. Healing the sick, uh, giving sight to the blind, uh, healing the lepers and all these wonderful works uh, that Jesus did, raising the dead uh, uh, from death unto life again. How did that happen? It was because he was a sovereign good and he was good in every way. Uh, but listen, friend, if he had died, uh, listen, and friend and never and never made it to Calvary he couldn't forgive but listen this morning our Savior made it all all the way to Calvary and we see that Christ can forgive because he shed his blood somebody said well preacher what does his blood mean to me and it shouldn't be the question what does his blood mean to you it should be this what does his blood mean to his heavenly father I want you to think about some things. God had some demands that had to be met, and my mind goes back to John 3.16 when I think about those demands. I love, I love my family. Just like God no doubt loved his family, his son. He loved the earth, the creation that he made. He loves everything that he did. He loved it so much that God was willing to give his own son. Can I ask every daddy a question here this morning? You love something so much uh, that you're willing to let your son die for it? 
You remember that God in the beginning created man out of the dust of the earth. And there in sin, Adam fell. And Adam plunged all the race of mankind into sin. But God says, looking, looking back from John 3, 16, all the way to Adam, he says, For God so loved the world. How many men would be willing to let their son die just because you had created something with your own hands and something in your mind that you love so much? Well, God did that. God gave his son because he wanted to buy back and redeem what had been taken through the fall of the angels and Satan. I want to tell you this morning, I love my son and my daughters. And I don't know how that God could stand by as his son was walking up Calvary's hill with a cross that he couldn't even carry himself on his back. And as he was going to Calvary, he was making his way. He'd already been beaten to the point beyond recognition. A lot of blood had already been lost. And as he's uh, hanging there, they nailed him under that old rugged cross. And our Savior and God himself went... It wasn't that God couldn't intervene. It's that God was looking beyond Calvary and he was seeing me and he was seeing you. And he said, that's why Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. We died on that day to sin when Calvary became the reality for our God. He forgives by his blood. There would be no forgiveness for my sin or your sin without the blood of Calvary being shed. It would, be, it would be a physical and spiritual impossibility in the same. It just can't be. But on Calvary's hill, the salvation, the requirement for the redeemed was made when Jesus bowed his head and he gave up the ghost and he died. Can I go just a step farther because I don't want, I don't want Christ to, uh, to leave this service and him not get all the glory that is due to his precious and holy name. It was not just losing his life at Calvary, giving his life rather at Calvary. It was the fact that three days passed and on that third day he got up and rose again from the grave. No man has ever ever done this before. No man will ever do this hence. Our Savior rose again from the grave. And listen, I'm going to give you some more beyond that. Beyond that, our Savior, because He rose from the grave, we have power this morning over death, hell, and the grave. Thank God forevermore. If you're a true believer, both hands ought to be raised to heaven today. But listen, not only that, He said, I'm coming again. And I'm going to get you. Where I am, there you may be also. And our Savior paid that awful price for the, for the fall of man through His blood and the payment for all sin. That's why Christ can forgive you this morning. And many of you sit here today and you're beat up and you're cast down, trodden under the foot of men because of past sins. And I know it's easy. You look back at what you once were and you wonder, this is too good to be true. And grace is too good to be true. And it's, we're saved by grace through faith. And listen this morning, I don't care what you were in the past, you can be made a new creature in Jesus Christ today because we're crucified with Christ. And he said, nevertheless, I live. Is Christ living in you? I live because of Christ. And I'm going to get to the, to the sixth part is to the faith that we must have that is presented in this verse. He says, I now live in the flesh, and you can't help it, neither can I. You have fleshly tendencies 
to want what you want. How is it that a baby that is born, I like what Job said, he's few days and he's full of trouble. How is it that a baby that is born, the first thing that it wants to do is cry for want? Cry for want. Three of my children came into this world screaming, hollering, and they hadn't quit since. But one of mine didn't do anything. Lily came into this world and she was just as peaceful as can be. Something changed between there and then, but she never cried. Never. And I looked over at Shelly and I kind of squinted. We'd already been down this road two different times before she came along. And her color was good. Her eyes opened. I don't know what she saw. Maybe just the seeing me scared her to death. I don't know. But she never cried. And some people have a tendency to never, to never cry. Never be to show their pain or what have you. But every human being in this church has a tendency towards sin. Every one of you. From the pulpit to the back. We all have the ability to sin. And our flesh wants certain things. We're trained that way. We come into this world crying for want. We come into this world wanting certain things, thinking we've got to have it this way or that way. And all the while we live our whole life trying to subdue the wants of the flesh. And many of you this morning have no joy. You have no peace. You don't even have security in your own right because you have given most of your, most of your life on this earth to giving in to what the flesh wants. Paul said, I live, but I'm crucified with Christ. And it's no longer me and the tendencies of my flesh and what I want. It's what God wants. And I've got dream after dream. I used to tell Roger, sitting on the front bench here, I said, Roger, if I get to do everything that's in my heart, I'm going to have to have three lifetimes to perform every one of those things that's inside of my heart to do. I could see ways to make more money. I could see ways to have more gain. I could see more ways to make my family, in my mind, to make them, to want them to be, to be a happier group of people. But all the while, God is inside of me. And all these dreams, that's just all they are. They're dreams. What God says His will is for my life is usually things that I don't want to hear. Because it requires God doing something, and that's cutting away the bad things in my life. And from this day forward, those of you that just got baptized, those of you that's just been saved as of late, recently, listen to me this morning. That's what God's going to do until He gets us on heaven's bright shore. He's going to cut and take away the things that are bad in our life in, in hopes and in help that we're going to be more like Christ is. And that's why Paul said, I've got to die first. I've got to be crucified like Christ was to be made to be made alive, that Christ can live inside of me. And it's only done by and through faith. Now let me give you this. The Bible says that now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. That's, that's what faith is. It's believing in something that you cannot see, but you know, you know it to be real. It's believing in someone. Can I pose it to you this way? Uh, just beyond those doors, you walk out those doors, turn to the right, there's a man. He's sitting in that room. You can't see him right now because, because, you, because you're in this room. 
But you know somebody's controlling the sound. Somebody's doing uh, the work of making sure that when somebody comes in that they're, they're, they're lining up and seeing if that person's going to be a threat or a help to us. He's there. You can't see him. He's in the other room. And that's the same way it is with God. And by faith, he's in the other room. We know he's there. We hear his voice. We hear his knock. And, we, and from time to time, uh, from time to time, we hear him do certain things that we may not understand, but we know that he's there. And that's what faith is. You know that God is in heaven. And that he's working out all things to our good and our benefit. This morning, you'll never get anywhere with God without faith. And I want to tell every person that just got baptized, you're going to be tempted today, tomorrow, even the next week. It's going to become easier for you to say, well, I got saved, I've been baptized, everything is set for me now. I'm set and I'm fixed. I don't have to do a whole lot more. You're wrong. Your journey is just beginning. And they're going to be somebody tailing you after you because you've experienced and exercised real faith. There's going to be somebody that's going to accuse you from this day forward. And I say this morning the Apostle Paul had an accuser. Peter had an accuser. James had an accuser. Why poor old John himself on, on the Isle of Patmos had been accused all the way to glory. He refused to listen to that voice under persecution. You're going to have somebody that's going to accuse you and the accuser of the brethren. He may use community people. He may even use somebody in this church to say, did you see what he or she did? Did you hear what she said? Do you see that the imperfect state that they're in? And they're going to say the accuser, the devil, his minions are going to point out your faults and your failures from this day forward. And the voice that you listen to is the voice that's going to win. And if you listen to the accuser of the brethren and you don't get in the Word of God and stay in the Bible, listen to me, you're going to fall flat on your face. That does not mean that you're ceasing to be saved because you're saved from this day forward. To the, from the time you ex exercise true faith, you're saved forevermore. Praise God for that hope and that promise. But there is an accuser that will trail you and some of you this morning have no joy in salvation because you've listened to the lie of the devil. He knows your past. He's made a case study over you. He knows your tendencies, what they are, what your weaknesses are. You know, the, only God is able to be omnipresent everywhere all the time. He's omniscient. That means He's over everything. Everything, your life, mine included. So we know, we've established he's everywhere. He knows everything. But the devil cannot be everywhere all the time. He is not omnipresent. He is not all powerful. He, all powerful. He's created. But listen to me this morning. Uh, he's made a case study of your life through all the demons, the third of them that have been cast out, and they're watching your life. And they know what your weaknesses are. And some of you have got genetic weaknesses. Your family has had tendencies before you and the devil capitalizes on those genetic weaknesses. And then from those genetics, he may, and I, I'm going to say something here that you've probably never heard anybody say, but I really believe the devil and his crowd can look back 
at a, at a, let me just throw this out for a scenario. A man that had problem with visiting the moonshine stills back in the 1800s and was prone to drinking. The next generation may face that same temptation. It's a generational sin. And the devil works and he keeps pounding and working every single day. You get up in the morning... I never forget what Ralph told me. Ralph Sexton here a while back. He doesn't sleep much, and people like that are very rare these days. He goes to bed at midnight and gets up at 4 a.m. is what he told me. And he, he starts studying every single day. And I said, How do you do it? And he said, Preacher, I figure if the devil never sleeps, I don't have much time to waste. And I've got to get up and prepare myself for the day and for the fight and for the temptations of the world. And so it is with a child of God. You've got to start listening to the right voice. The right voice in God through the power of the Holy Spirit has had an opportunity to break through into your heart and let the light shine through and you've listened and you've answered correctly and you've come to God and you've given your life and you've followed Christ in water baptism but now the fight begins and you have got to main, remain true to the fight and the only way you're going to win is by two or three different ways. Number one, you've got to read the Word. Number two, you've got to pray. You're in for the fight of your life. You've got to pray. Can you imagine where our lives would be without prayer today? You have got to pray. And number three, you cannot stop under any circumstance attending the house of God. In fact, God has put it in our hearts as believers to go and get others and bring them to experience what we have felt and, 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 and experienced through crucifixion of Jesus Christ in ourselves so that in hopes that they will experience the same thing and thereby become disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. Your journey is just beginning and I charge you today to make some commitments through faith that I'm going to do the, my dead level best to do the very best that I can to be here in church. It will help you, I promise. In closing today, his love for us is so real that He gave Himself for us. Aren't you glad that when we get saved that God doesn't stop loving us and stop dealing with us and moving in our heart and drawing us and compelling, compelling us to greater things, to new heights and new visions, new revelations, new understandings of Him? And I, I, I really feel like that this church has got a bad habit. We feel like that once we reach a certain place that we can take the reins away from God. Anybody ever done that in their own life? You got saved and you got on the right track and then you said, well, God, I, I think I can handle it from here. No, you can't. There ain't nobody in this church that can handle it from here. Nobody. When we take the reins away from God, and He will let you do that. He will let you dig your feet in so deep. He will let you dig in so deep that you can even get to a place that the Apostle Paul says, well, you start to forget. And that's a dangerous place to be in. And I want to ask you a question. How is it that we can get into the choir? And I thought about it this morning, knowing what was in my heart. How is it that we can get into this choir and just sing the, sing the same old song with no feeling? 
See, faith produces the feeling of joy. We reach an emotional high of, of, uh, uh, of, just, of just knowing that God is with us. And then when we know that, in our mind, we lift our voice and we sing. And how can our hands be down? How can our voices be, be so silent? How can it just be nonchalant when we're worshiping in the presence of God? How is it that we can come into this church and we have taken the reins away from God and we have figured out how to have church without God? Think about it. Somebody said what we need is a new program to help our youth. And I believe in helping our youth. If there's a church in Lumpkin County that's doing it, it's right here. I believe in helping our youth. I want to help them. I want to help our young families. I am so proud of the young families that's sitting through this church that's been faithful. You don't have to be here, but it's in your heart to be here. And I thank God for that. And I'm thankful for our middle-aged ones who's it's like myself, getting some gray hairs and been there and done that. Thank God for you. The saints that are sitting among us today who has the hoary head, who walked with a back stooped over because they've walked down that road and they've been beat up and they've been battered by the enemy, but they're still listening to the voice of God. And listen, we don't need any more programs. What we need is to break away the fakeness and the phoniness that's all around us and give the reins back to God so that God can pour out His power in our lives. I want to feel His presence now more than ever when I pray. When I pray, I don't just want to be saying words. I want to feel God when I pray. You have listened to Pastor Les Fuller at Mount Gilead Baptist Church. Please join us at 11 a.m. at 5332 Highway 52 East, Dahlonega. Or view our live stream on Facebook. May God bless you for listening. 97.5 Glory FM, your family radio station in North Georgia.